0: This is NLPS Ed Talks, a podcast brought to you by Nanaimo Ladysmith Public Schools. I'm Dale Burgos, the Executive Director of Communications, and I'll be sharing conversations with students, staff, and friends of the district. We'll learn, we'll laugh, we may cry, but most importantly, we'll share the unique stories of individuals that work and play in our school system. Nanaimo Ladysmith Public Schools is one of many school districts in British Columbia, Canada, and is centrally located in one of the most beautiful places in the world, Vancouver Island. Thanks for joining us welcome it's the second season for nlps ed talks i'm very excited as always uh, to have a guest here in the studio but i just want to say that last year was a very successful year we had some great podcasts and this year will be just the same and and our first guest this year, I'm really excited to have you here. His name is Deontay Jelks. Welcome. Thank
1: you. Appreciate you uh, providing me an opportunity to be on the podcast.
0: Well, you know, I'm proud. I'm honored. And I'm happy to have you here because um, and, and what people will get in just a few minutes here is somebody with a story. And, and what a great story and, and what a success story it is. And uh, I, I tell you, like I said, we're very happy to have you here in the district. You are the principal at? Ladysmith Intermediate School. Perfect. You've been there. Well, you've you've only been with a few the months. a yeah. <laughs> few weeks actually. A few weeks. Yeah, that's right. School just started a few weeks ago. Uh, but you're uh, not new to BC. You were you were in BC not too long ago. So we'll get into a little bit of that okay. in just a little bit. But we always want to know who we're talking to here on the podcast, and and getting to know where they're from. What makes them them? And uh, let's get right to it. How does that sound? That sounds perfect. Okay, so you are not a, you were not born in Canada. No, <laughs>
1: no, actually, I was uh, born in the U.S., uh, particularly Chicago. Um, wow, on the South Side of Chicago. So, if you've been watching the news or heard anything about Chicago, the South Side definitely pops up all the time in the media.
0: Uh and, and South Side I mean Chicago's a big city. I mean w- population wise, what what's the size you think?
1: About uh eight to ten million.
0: Ooh. Okay. And that's one of the I'll say, is that I mean I know there's the big ones like New York and, and LA, those are the big ones. Where's Chicago? I say
1: Chicago's probably ranked number three in the US as far as wow. uh, population within cities. Yeah. Okay.
0: So uh quite large. And when you say south side of Chicago I mean, safe to say that's half of that population of of what you just shared, four to five five million.
1: Pretty much. uh, Chicago's divided into pretty much uh, four different sides. You have the north side, south side, east side, and west side. Okay. So whenever you meet someone in Chicago, you always ask where you're from, what side you're from. So you just say south side, and you automatically know the neighborhood where you're from.
0: Okay. Now, I know a little bit about Chicago, but I'll be honest with you, Dante. I don't know too much about Chicago or just I'll say state's geography in general. Okay. I do know where where cities are and so on and so forth but this is why we have you here and I want to ask those questions and I want to learn. Um, so uh, what I do know about the south side of Chicago are there some challenges? Adele there's challenges all throughout Chicago. Um, okay. Economically it's, it's a
1: tough city. I mean if you don't have street smarts uh, you don't have a strong backbone you're going to become a statistic. It, it's, it's proven day in and day out. You okay. have to be a fighter.
0: Uh, and that's that's difficult to hear because you see it in the news. You you watch it, uh, you know, portrayed in movies and TV shows. Uh, there are areas in every Canadian city that, that do have some challenges as well. But Chicago is really known for some of those really hard times. And it goes back years and years. Yes. And, of course, Prohibition Days when you, you had gangsters running the city, that sort of thing. Exactly. But it, it goes even further than that. Mm-hmm. And, of course, now it's 2019. You've got... Um, big challenges and uh, you know some of the notes that I had read on you here is uh, you lived in Robert Taylor Homes and, and if those that don't know what that is and, and I read a little bit about it because I wanted to know more tell us what it, what it was, well, what it
1: is. Oh uh, it's, it's if you can just close your eyes and picture this is um, a concrete building 18 stories high 14 apartments on each floor it's like a concrete jail, um, your porch is ironclad, fenced, and just about 99% of the people there were on welfare. And so it was a very t- difficult and a hard upbringing. Uh, when you talk about the Robert Taylor homes, it's just not one building. It was 20 buildings that are within uh, 50, 60 yards apart, and you're just poverty stacked on top of poverty. So to make it out of there, air, it's, it's no easy feat.
0: No kidding, right. Because, uh, and you talk about statistics. So first off, yes, I mean, I looked at some pictures and you talk about uh, apartment upon apartment. I mean, this is blocks and blocks of apartments. Yes. And when you talk about poverty all in one area, densely population of, uh, I think I read one, at one point there was something like mid 20,000 people living in that grouping yes exactly right? right now there's a statistic here as well that you shared with me and this is very important i think that we need to share this um it, it's it shows exactly where you grew up uh that um what well, you tell me this st- the st- statistic rather about being what what what's the um the robert taylor homes is known for what
1: oh gangs yeah violence yeah drugs single family yeah. households it's right. It can, I can go on for what the Robert Taylor Homes represents,
0: right, and also being uh, the poorest. Yes, in the United States, pretty
1: much at that time when I was born in 1977, between 1977 and 80s, it was one of the poorest in the United States. And when you look at the media now, Baltimore is the poorest. But right. we were, we were that Baltimore in the 70s, late 70s, early 80s.
0: So what does it look like right now these days?
1: Well, right now, it's it's the apartments have been torn down. Mm-hmm. Because they felt that we were putting the minorities in an economic disadvantage by stacking everybody on top of each other in this neighborhood. Right. You know, there was poor education, poor housing, and it, it just didn't work. But the plan wasn't well thought out. Mm-hmm. What they decided to do was tear down these buildings without any plan. Oh, no. And so what happened? You have all these people that lived in these homes mm-hmm. dispersed into various neighborhoods, which caused more problems. Oh boy! And it was not thought. Yeah. out they wasn't. They didn't think about. Okay, let's put a, a center here, a sports center here. Let's put a library here. They just gave these uh, individuals vouchers and, and dumped them in the neighborhoods. And right now in Chicago, that's where the problems stem from. Way back in the 1990s, when they decided to tear Robert Taylor Homes down, and displace all these families in, in, in inner city neighborhoods.
0: Unreal. I mean, it, and this goes back, well, you say 1990s, but even before that, oh, I think the idea of building the Robert Taylor Homes was, of course, uh, well, it was named after. The namesake is is a gentleman who worked for the city council. C- CHA. Okay. And uh, sorry, for those that don't know, CHA. Chicago Housing Authority. Okay. And uh, he was a big proponent for um, housing yes. in Chicago. Um, and... Um, Affordable housing, housing for, for everyone, right? essentially, right? Now, I think the idea was nice about the Robert Taylor Homes, meaning you know putting them up so that there's affordable housing for everyone, except it didn't really work out that way, clearly.
1: It, it didn't. What, what, they, what did work out is what, what happened is, is when they decided to do that, yeah. it created separation between a strong family because the plan was to have family together, but what it actually did was take the father out of the household. Mm-hmm. so the majority of those homes did not have a father or a male figure in those households and that's why the destruction the poverty the gangs the violence that's where that grew from
0: okay and then of course with that type of community you've got schools in the community as well and what do those schools look like
1: well I can remember back to my days going to um, McCorkle Elementary School mm-hmm. it, it was tough you know I, I live a few blocks from the school but you have to worry about going through different gang neighborhoods or getting into fights uh, you know, you didn't have lunch on a daily basis. It, 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 it was pretty pretty tough. And, you know, after-school programs, there was no such thing as after-school programs. You just went right home and did your homework, and, and that's it.
0: That's it, It's interesting to hear. I mean, because well, there are schools, of course, um, all over, yes. right? Chicago is not is not alone in that sense. Yes. There are kids that, that don't eat, and, and thankfully, we've got some really good programs here mm-hmm. in our school district. Uh, that addresses, um, you know, food programs. Yes, which is really good, and we can get into that a little bit here. Um, y- let's let's fast forward now. You've you've gone through your elementary school years. You're in Chicago still. Uh, you attended high school there as well.
1: Yes, I did. Attended okay. at, uh, Kelly High School on our, on the south side, 41st in California. Okay, uh, I think it was probably the best decision uh, of my life, and that's why I found uh, several of my mentors that inspired me and and kept me on the right track.
0: Oh, nice. Okay, what was what was that impetus for you moving or, or going over there?
1: Well, it started out. I had a summer job. When you work in Chicago, you have an opportunity to work during the summer. So I worked all summer. Yeah. And uh, one of my um, high school friends named Cedric Parker. He told me, "Oh my God, we have a great, fantastic football team. You know, we should come and join." But I uh, originally signed up for Mount Carmel High School, it was a, oh, a private uh, prestigious high school, mm-hmm. and I managed to get myself enrolled and pass the test without support from my family or my, or my mother. So I just took it upon myself to wake up five in the morning, go across town, take the test, and just did it all myself. But. Sergeant lied to me. They didn't have a, we didn't have a good football team. <laughs> oh no. Okay. So, but when I got there, uh, you know, I was involved in uh, football, baseball, wrestling, uh, band, student council, uh, Sea Explorers. Learn how to. I just kept myself busy because I knew if I stayed busy, you know, it would keep me away from the gangs. So It'll keep me keep keep me alive. Right. And and so it just I, and my mentors. Uh, one of my mentors is uh Vincent White. He was my football coach mm-hmm. and he served as a security guard at, uh, at the school. And you know, huh. when people think about mentors, they don't think about security guard like a teacher's principal. But he was a security guard in school and he was there every step of the way through my entire high school life. He provided everything that I needed for me.
0: Wow. Uh, you, you hear these stories and, and uh, you know, it's, it's great that you shared that. But not everyone's so lucky. Yeah,
1: I on my road I've had a few friends that have uh passed away uh, or you know were killed or were murdered and it's um it's hard. It, it, you know, you it makes you think how valuable life is and how lucky I am to to, to be alive. I, I can remember one example my good friend uh we played football together his name was Ramon Godinas. Um we he was a fantastic individual. We were in a dare program together we went to speak to younger kids about drugs and violence and stay out of school mm-hmm. and my graduate we graduated in 2000 i think it was 2001 i went to university and then i got a faithful phone call one night that uh ramon was shot in the head and, and killed walking home from work
0: just walking home from
1: work walking home from work yeah, i sorry to hear that yeah.
0: And that's is that common? Is that something that you hear regular, it, regularly?
1: I've, it's it's very common. Like um, about a month ago, I got on a phone call with my brother, and he was dropping a friend off at home, and uh, he was inches away from losing his life. Uh, somebody shot at his car, and the bullet lodged right in the headrest of his uh, of his car. And it's just you just don't know. Oh my gosh. And uh, for myself, I consider myself lucky. Out of all the males in my family, I was the only one never to be shot by a gun.
0: Really? I, everybody, every male in my family has been shot more than once. Uh, that almost leaves me speechless, and, and, and I'm not usually like that, Deontay. I'm, you know, I, my heart goes out to, to you, to your family. I mean, that's, that's hard to hear, mm-hmm. right? And, um, you know, you hear these stories, but when you actually meet somebody, uh, you know, that, that really just changes everything. Um, you lived on your own. When you were young, too.
1: Yes. I, um, you know, my mother was uh, facing addictions as, as well as my father. Uh, so my grandmother took me in at a young age. But she passed away when I was a, a grade 10 sophomore year in high school. And so when she passed away, I worked, ended up working a full-time job at a grocery store just because I knew I would be able to get food to feed myself. So I worked full-time at a grocery store I never made excuses. I just, you know, pushed forward. and. Uh, you know, it it was tough, mm-hmm. but you know, I always got this motto: If not me, then who, who? Who's gonna look out
0: for me? I have to take care of myself. Right, right. Uh, you know, maybe let's just take a second here. I mean, there's there's a lot of people out there that do struggle, um, everywhere, uh, even even where we are working right now. Um, what was it in your mind that, that got you through that? I mean, you just shared a little bit, but um, I mean, you you made it through. Clearly. So you know, what's what's that something that we can share?
1: I set a goal for myself. I saw the community I lived in. I saw the people. I saw the product of my community. Mm -hmm. And I knew that I wanted a family. And I told myself, if I want a good family, if I want things to be right, you know, the cycle has to start with me. I have to break the cycle. Mm -hmm. And that was the biggest goal of mine is to have just a, a good family. You know, I didn't care if I graduated from my college or university. I just wanted to have a nice family a, a, a,
0: a core strong family right thank you for sharing that uh, family is very important mm-hmm. agreed um, and you at a young age liked uh, you, you picked up some entrance instruments or it looks like one in particular that you yeah it, really enjoyed
1: a, yeah I played. job uh, <laughs> oh man my um, music career has taken me a long way y'all. when I was younger I was enrolled in Hurley Elementary School, and luckily for me, they had a band there. Okay. And so I cycled through several instruments, uh, clarinet, saxophone, trombone, percussion, Wow. and then I finally settled on a trumpet, and that's that's what stuck with me, and I played trumpet all the way through elementary and high school, and I played uh, in university for a little bit.
0: Nice. So that took you out of the school? Did you get get into the competitions or, or, you know, big productions? Yeah, when I
1: was in high school, I was part of uh, my school's jazz band. uh, Nice. And then I was part of All-City Jazz Band, All-City Orchestra, and was just a regular All-City band. So it it kept me busy on weekends, (laughs) at night. So I pretty much didn't get home till midnight. And when I got home at midnight, I had to wake back up and go right back to school. So I stayed busy my entire four years in high school.
0: Awesome. Uh, I love it. I'll share some with you. I also played the trumpet in high school, junior high and high school. Oh, we have to do a Christmas duet with Scott one day. <laughs> oh, yeah, there you go. There Scott you go. can uh, play the guitar. We'll we'll break up the trumpets. Uh, you can play way more instruments than I. I think I can throw a kazoo <laughs> in there, too, maybe, but that's pretty much it. Um, let, let's fast forward a little bit more now. OK, so you are uh, you, you've done high school. and You said Car- Mount Carmel. That was, uh, oh, I, that did, was, I was at Kelly High School, but Kelly high I, had school, to, sorry. I was accepted at Mount Carmel High right. School. Okay, that's right. Okay, and then um, after that, what uh, what made you decide on the direction that you, you went? Like, what direction did you go after high school? Well, I went to uh, McMurray College, but that's a pretty long story. I've,
1: I, <laughs> okay. I've enrolled and uh, was accepted at a few universities, but yeah. I had no way to get there. Oh, okay. and so uh, my friends uh, borrowed a parent's car and we just woke up at four in the morning and we drove to university I had to pay for the gas for the job I had and <laughs> Seriously? every day yeah and my and my buddies got me to college visits come on I kid you not it <laughs> I was, love it and so we you know you have to do what you have to do you do uh, so I end up not uh, able to go to Wisconsin University of Wisconsin so I I was calling around because I had to go somewhere I know that if I didn't go to university I, that was it right and so I called my buddy uh, named Frank and he said hey you know we can get, I can get you in school here I'll put you on the phone with the coach so coach said hey you, you want to come play here I said why not and within a week I was on a Greyhound bus with one bag and
0: headed to McMurray College Jeez! now McMurray College where whereabouts is that exactly it's
1: in Jacksonville Illinois it's a small uh, liberal arts college I see it with a population and probably about a thousand students
0: Oh, okay. Not very big at all. No, it
1: was a very small school. Um, how far was that from home? It was three and a half hours away from Chicago. Okay. Just a perfect distance
0: to get away from the trouble. Exactly. Okay. Um, and what did you take? Well, you know, as a freshman, <laughs> you're all scattered <laughs> all over the place. Yeah, I, totally. I,
1: I, had to, I was thinking, like, you know, I want to be a scientist. I want to be a doctor. So my first mm-hmm. science class, you know, we, we, we I just couldn't hack it. You know, there's all the notes and then the transfer paper, again, ink all over me. (laughs) Then I redirected to myself to uh, psychology. And I really found a liking to psychology. It came real real easy for me. And so I end up graduating with a psychology degree a bit early, but I still had years of eligibility left for football. Ah. So I was like, what do I do now? (laughs) And so I started taking uh, education classes through the summer and I fell in love with education and I just stayed one more year and got a double in uh, psychology and education.
0: Really? Just like that, huh? Okay. Um, And did you continue with the football? Is that...
1: Well, I continued through university. Then um, after after, uh, high school, I mean after college, I went and spoke with my athletic director because I said, you know, I know I'm not gonna be able to play professional sports, but I want to coach at the university level. Mm -hmm. And he's like, well, you have a decision to make. You either can have coach at the university level Mm -hmm. and be all over the place, or you can get a job as a teacher and be settled. And, you know, it was pretty hard to think which one to choose. But, you know, my goal was to have a family and have a strong family matter of fact so I settled on education and being a teacher because I know that will provide my family with the stability that I didn't have Gotcha. there you go
0: uh, and then from that point well, from
1: that point on, I when I went to there, I was uh, pretty much coaching all over the place. I went back to my alma mater to be a teacher. Oh, really? So it was at Kelly High School, and so that's my first year Fabulous. of teaching, which was um, my football coach was the head was the principal there. Oh, jeez! So it was a, almost like a match made in heaven.
0: No kidding. How long were you there for?
1: I was there for four years, and um, okay. while I was there, I coached football, wrestling. I was a part of the band, helping out the students <laughs> in the band. So, like again, I kept myself busy. To no stay kidding. Out of trouble.
0: Geez, now from that
1: point, where, where did you go? So from there, I went on to uh, Eisenhower High School, which is in Blue Island, Illinois. Then from Eisenhower High School, I went and got my first taste of being an administrator at Plainfield East High School. Uh, okay. And so that school is a population of about 2,500 students, and it was the first year the school opened. So it was pretty nice to open a, a brand-new high school.
0: No kidding. Uh, where was that at?
1: That was in Plainfield East, uh, so was... high, Plainfield, Illinois, which is approximately
0: about an hour and a half uh, South of Chicago. Okay, so outside of Chicago. Yes. Okay, so from that point, you opened up a new school. You were there. That's fantastic. Did, did you stay there for a little while?
1: Well, I was there for for three years. Okay. And uh, my wife, she just told me, you know, it's time for us to go home. Okay. And I want to go back to B.C. I want to be with my family. And so we just decided to sell our home Okay. and pack everything up and, and move to B.C. in 2010.
0: Wow. Okay. So um, let's step back just a couple seconds here. You mentioned wife. What's her name? My wife's name, is, she doesn't want me to say it, but
1: <laughs> I, she doesn't like her first name, but her first name is, I'm going to pay for it when I get home. Oh, no. Her first name is Violeta Elizabeth Canhuda Jokes. Wow. Okay. And she's from B.C., you said? Well, it was another long story. Okay. She's from El Salvador. Wow. Okay. And she moved with her parents uh, and her brother from El Salvador when, during the Civil War. Uh, okay, and so her father was a, a political leader. He spoke out for the people, <laughs> and the U.S. back like army, El Salvadorian army, came to his house to to kill him. Ooh. And so Jeez. he, his family, my, with my wife and her younger brother, were whisked, whisked out of uh, El Salvador that night and flown to Prince Albert. Wow! And that's where they got. where she got her start from
0: uh,
1: in Prince Albert.
0: Okay, um, and and thankfully, of course. They did that because, of course, you know, Dad was okay. Clearly, uh, they made it to BC, yes. and of course, you, you met. But how did you meet out in Illinois?
1: Well, at university, she uh, was, she came out down to uh, Jacksonville looking for a school to to attend. Yeah. Uh, MacMary is known for his deaf ed program as well as his social work program. Okay, so it was uh, probably about five or six o'clock. I was leaving football practice, yeah. and of course, when you're football practice. You're just with your boys. That's it. (laughs) Yeah. And I just saw this beautiful woman walking across (laughs) campus, and I couldn't believe it. And so it was was pretty much like a sprint between myself and another buddy. (laughs) You know, I had to trip him, and I got to her first. (laughs) And uh, I asked her on a date, and I just, like, hey, let's go to Chicago. And she's like, wow you're pretty brave I'm like, and so we went to Chicago <laughs> <She's pretty brave. laughs> and we just kept in touch uh, really? all through university yes
0: okay um and finished university you started working and then just you know sort of kept in touch rekindled it I guess she went through university as well finished and
1: right and once we finished our schooling we
0: got together and uh got had a, got married I love it yeah what a great story. And then, of course, moved back here, 2010. Yes. Um, so what did you do in 2010 when you moved here? Uh, 2010,
1: it was uh, pretty difficult to find employment. Mm. So uh, I volunteered around the community and, until my paperwork went through to become a uh, oh, right. resident. Okay. And so during my time in 2010, and I coached football at Mount Doug uh, High School. Okay. You know, won a couple of provincial championships hey, there, which was bad. pretty awesome. Good. And so I just kept myself busy being involved with students because I know I like to influence the young people and just lead them on the right path. So I had to stay involved somehow with schools.
0: No kidding. Yeah, no kidding. And then when did you eventually just get back into the system and start working at as an administrator teacher administrator well we moved up in
1: 2011 we moved to the Williams Lake area mm, okay I, from there I worked in a drug addiction treatment facility called Nankini Wellness Center uh, it was a facility for families and youth addicted to alcohol and drugs and I sat with this young lady uh, that was crying and sobbing on the last day of her graduation because I'm like you're going home but she was still sad and crying because she was going home and I never oh. understood why Okay. And she explained to me, you never, you don't know what it's like to live on a reserve. And from there, I thought, you know, I need to get back into education. I need to go see what it's like. I know I can make a difference. Mm-hmm. And so coincidentally, I worked with the chief of a reserve about two and a half hours away from Williams Lake that okay. were looking for a principal. Oh. And I said, um, I'm, a, well, I can, I'm a principal. I've been in administration before. So I let's let's talk right and so um that summer i ended up uh, signing a contract and being a principal at swight and python first nations which is in dog creek uh bc and you were there for how long i was there for four years mm-hmm. right? and
0: being there four years i lived on reserve uh for four years and and i mean again being on a reserve some reserves or um is there some comparisons about where you grew up and, and a reserve? And I, I don't know if I'm making a stretch here to say, but I'm just asking the question that some reserves do have struggles as well, just like where you grew up. It's
1: exactly the same. Wow. And I think that's why I fit in so well and, and knew what mm-hmm. was going on and knew how to support you know students as well as the families. Okay. And, you know I, I you know, they knew that I told them my story. And they knew that I had the answers. I, they knew that they can come with me for support any time, whether it's uh, 5 in the morning or, or 12 at midnight. They will come to me, wow. and my door is always open. And, you know, You're just not the principal you're everything in that
0: community. That's right, like a father figure, yes. like you are you are somebody to go to guidance for, Yes, right? Very much so, and and you were there for? I was there for four years. Four years, okay. So from that point on, where did you move to?
1: Uh, from that point on, we moved uh, to uh, Kamloops, and okay. I assumed the role as principal at Skechison Community School. Gotcha, Yep. Yeah. And so the same thing, I, I commuted there for four years, and like I say, it was a great experience of, of working and and being on reserve and supporting so many students and, and community and leading that community to success.
0: And, and good for you. And you did that for how long? Four years. Another four years. So four years seems to be your number. Yes. For a lot of things I'm noticing here. So eight years total, you've been working uh, directly with indigenous schools. Yes. Right? And then after that four years in Kamloops, where do you head over to? After four years in Kamloops, I had the opportunity
1: to work right here uh, in Ladysmith as Dismina's uh, community school.
0: Okay, that's right, and you you weren't very far away, and that was just recent, actually, right?
1: right? Just uh, just uh, this past January.
0: Okay, um, and your goal was always, of course, to come back to the island. I'm assuming. Yes, it was
1: the uh, foremost uh, most important goal: come <laughs> back to the island and to, and like say to be with family.
0: Right, right that exactly. was our
1: whole reason of moving to Canada.
0: Was to be with family, right? Um, so you only were in St. Uh, First Nation for just a few months. Yes. Started in Ladysmith Intermediate, then. Yes. And then that's it. This is so you've come. You've come around. You're here now, and again, again, like I said, we're very happy to have you here. Um, you well, you mentioned you had a wife, and by the way, I know a few El Salvadorians, and they do have long names. Oh yeah. <laughs> right, but all their names are beautiful. Yes. So you, please, you know, tell your wife that, okay? <laughs> um, now you also have some kids. Yes, I do I have uh, three yep.
1: boys. Yep. Uh, Noe, he's age 13, Jeremy age 11, and Kian age 6 going on 40.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I have one of those. right you know what Feels it's like, like. They, yeah they, they need a cell phone all of a sudden yeah, like, what exactly. do you need a cell phone for do you have a job no but <laughs> do you need to be you know it's it's just the funniest story but you're right six going on 40 i've heard that many times um now that you're out there uh, and you, or rather you're here on the island um beautiful place obviously That's, i don't oh, have gorgeous. to tell you that uh, what do you like to do when you're not working
1: well i again i love to volunteer my time i i, I feel like that I'm indebted to my coaches, because they gave so much of their time to me, of mentoring me, and that's what I do on my off times. Uh, I coach after work. On Saturdays, I, I coach and volunteer. Nice. And I, with a little time I do have, I like to go hiking with my family, explore BC. Of course,
0: so many places to go to, right? Millions of places. <laughs> <laughs> no kidding, literally, yeah. Um, I, I want to go back a little bit here because you also shared an article with me and I wanted to talk a little bit about it. And then we'll get to your plans for Lady Smith Intermediate okay. for this coming school year. Um, but uh, this goes back to the time, and, and um, after reading your article and doing a little bit of research online here, uh, desegregation busing. Yes. Right, and there was that was, uh, I believe, good intentions, but didn't turn out so. No. Okay, so tell us a little bit about that.
1: Well, back in the 80s, um, what happened was the federal government passed a law where they were trying to desegregate schools. Mm -hmm. Because when you look at the city of Chicago, it's very segregated. You have your Italian neighborhoods, your Irish neighborhoods, Mm -hmm. it's segregated. And a lot of people don't realize that. When they visit, they just visit the downtown area. Right. But they don't take the step of foot outside downtown area to know that Chicago is very segregated. So to fall into compliance, they would bus students from their neighborhood into different neighborhoods to attend school. And so I was part of the 80s busing uh, desegregation. Oh, okay. And so it was all long rides. I wake up um, probably like 6.30 in the morning, get on a bus at 7, and got to school at 9. So we were probably pretty much on a bus for
0: an hour and a half to two hours per day wow. uh, traveling. That's a long time, and so the the idea was um, sort of uh, I'll say mixing up the the nationalities, the races, right, so that it's not just um, all blacks in one school, exactly. For, exa- for example, right, um, and it it didn't work. For me, it, yeah.
1: it, it worked very well because okay. I was able to meet friends that mm. I still have today nice. I was able to play in a band and then you know my band teacher Mr. Smith and, uh, and another mentor I failed to mention uh, Mr. Martin McGrath he's uh, one of my principals this man was unreal you know my grades were I had poor grades um, and it just wasn't working for me but he never gave up on me he always nice. told me you can do it you can do it and I remember uh, my report card and during grade 8 and he wrote on there I knew you can do it brother. <laughs> and he
0: signed his name, and I still nice. have a report card. You do. Uh, Canada is very much uh, a melting pot, as you've probably heard, right? I mean, our schools have uh, nationalities from all over. Um, there are still, I think, some pockets around where you see a yes. lot more, right? Um, not so much like your area that mm-hmm. you had grown up in, but, um, you know, this int- the article, and thank you for sharing it, it, it was an interesting mm-hmm. and a really eye opening read. Um, because then I compare it to how my kids are and, mm-hmm. and growing up in, in our district in which we are right now. So um, did you want to add anything more about that de- desegregation busing? Yeah, you know, a yeah. lot of um, my friends, they didn't they didn't fare so well. Okay. Because
1: when you look at the uh, same thing, when you look at First Nation students, when they come into public schools, yeah. it's very difficult for them to feel accepted you know, the rigor of the assignments is, pr- is pretty difficult. Hmm. So uh, there was not a lot of success of taking students out of their neighborhood and, putting them, and busting them out. So I was, again, one of the lucky ones that was able to attach on something and, and right. to run
0: with it. And do you know if that's still happening?
1: It's not At as, as this point, it's not happening anymore. The schools are pretty much still segregated. Right now hmm. in Chicago, uh, down in inner city, they're, they're creating these elite high schools. Oh. And you have to test to get in a public school. In a public school, yes, you have to take you have to take assessments to get into a public school. Wow! So there, there are several schools that are ranked pretty much in a five percentile in the whole the United States as far as academics, and so it, again,
0: segregation. It, it's but it's just a different form. Yeah, exactly. Picking and choosing, right? In a public school, that doesn't make sense. Yes, not at all, um, and. Uh, uh, well I mean s- similarities we we come here and and as a school district we have our out of catchment and catchment policies and we always want to make sure that kids that uh, live in a certain community go to their school yes. that, in that community and and so that's that's what we're doing right now a uh, little bit of a segue now let's get into the Ladysmith Intermediate and talk a little bit about your plans for uh, what we're looking at what do you how's the school what's it how's it um, going to look like in the future for, under your under your care
1: or in the future we're going to be rocking and rolling <laughs> you know I've been establishing a positive relationships uh, mm-hmm. within the community as well as uh, outside of the community. I met a few football moms that oh, I, I also was talking to. <laughs> and a funny thing uh, happened to me last Friday. If you don't know, I coached for uh, the Victoria Renegades and we played them this past weekend. <laughs> so I had a mom walking by with her dog like, go Steelers! <laughs> so, and it's just about building that positive relationship with, it. The, with, the, with the parents and, and with the students. And my first day, you know, I told the students, one expectation that I have of you is always smile. Treat out, treat each other with respect. And when you see me in the hallway, you give me a fist pound or a high five. And that little thing right there it has transformed the environment of our school. You know, kids are happy. Kids are smiling. Staff are smiling. They're working together. And so it's gonna we're going to be a great school. We're going to be a great school. And I have no doubt within four or five years, we'll be one of the top
0: schools in this district, if not in B.C., Fabulous. That's what I like to hear. I love it. Uh, I, everything about uh, you shared today, I think, was fantastic. Did, do you think that we maybe wanted to add a little bit more about the school at all? Was there anything else?
1: Yeah, we can use a uh, lot more volunteers. Uh, okay. You know, <laughs> I, you know, we're thinking about creating a few more activities to get the uh, parents and uh, everybody involved uh, within our school. But uh, like, well, like I say, it's just been so welcoming. This district has been fantastic to me. Everywhere I look, there's been support uh, within minutes. And I really appreciate everybody being warm and welcoming to me and my family. I can't say it enough.
0: Well, I mean, we're happy to have you here. And I really do appreciate you coming down, chatting with us today. Can you believe it's been half an hour already that we've been chatting? So no, It doesn't seem like it. <laughs> no, it doesn't, right? Time flies by. But um, I do appreciate everything that you've shared. Your story is amazing, Deontay. I, I think that uh, we are very lucky to have you here. The the kids uh, in-, in Lady Smith are-, are you know lucky to have you as well. And I'm looking forward to see what, uh, what happens in the next coming years. I appreciate it. Thank you for all the support. All right. I appreciate it. Thanks, and have yourself a great day. You too.